1972, Joey Gallo killed in Little Italy during dinner at Umberto's Clam House. They get there by violence, and often as not, they leave by violence. Between three and five million dollars in cash and valuables was taken from the Lufthansa cargo terminal out at Kennedy Airport. I can give you guys a half a million dollars a year without a problem. New York City is a war zone for mobsters and their targets. Hello everyone and welcome into part 1 of episode 52 of The Black Hand, an organized crime history podcast. I'm your host Bliss Grieve and on today's show we're going to be talking about the history of the Latin Kings, one of the largest Caribbean and Latino street gangs in the world. Today on part 1 we're going to be talking about the formation of the gang including how a group of youth gangs came together in the mid-1950s to create the Kings, how they spread into almost every area of Chicago under their founder, Ramon Santos, and how the gang evolved once it was taken over by the co-leadership of Gustavo Colon and Raul Gonzalez. Before we get started, if you want to support the show, please rate it and go follow the show's Instagram and Twitter pages at the Black Hand Pod, and please feel free to reach out. Also, consider giving a little bit to the show's Venmo at The Black Hand Pod as well. The link's in the description. But without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. The history of the Latin Kings really begins in 1954 in the near west side neighborhood of Chicago at the intersection of Laughlin and Van Buren. When a Cuban youth that was raised in Puerto Rico named Ramon Santos put together a club of three boys close to his age, which included his stepbrother, Eddie. The club was named the Imperials and was initially formed to defend against racial prejudice that the boys faced from racist Italian, Irish, and Greek gangs in the area that had deep anti-Puerto Rican sentiments. They were also bullied by larger black gangs of the time like the Clovers, Imperial Chaplains, and Egyptian Cobras. And besides the Imperials, 1954 brought a mass of other gangs like the Egyptian Cobras and the Taylor Street Dukes. Therefore, with all these new enemies, the Imperials formed to protect the Latino community because they didn't see any other group as being up to it. And before long, the Imperials expanded onto Madison and Paulina, moving into a neighborhood formerly belonging to black and white gangs. The club quickly grew to five members, including Santos, his stepbrother, a Puerto Rican youth named Eddie Rodriguez, and a Mexican youth named Joe Gunn. And soon after that, another four joined, including a 17-year-old named Julio Munoz. The main symbol for the group at the time was a crown, which gave birth to the crown that the Latin kings still use today, except back then, the crown only had three points. And likely due to their smaller size, the Imperials were a reclusive organization that mostly moved in silence to avoid the press, and didn't seek any social services like many other gangs in the neighborhood did at Hull House or other clubhouses. But they were about to face some huge changes, because in the mid-1950s, escalating towards the end of the decade, Puerto Rican families started fleeing the near Westside community and the Old Town neighborhood. 
when the Carl Sandburg Village was built over the LaClark Puerto Rican community. The LaClark and La Madison settlements began to clear out in 1961. As both settlements began moving into Wicker Park, East Village, West and East Humboldt Park, Uptown, Lincoln Park, and Lakeview. There was also major construction on the expressway system as work on the Eisenhower Expressway directly tore Laughlin and Van Buren in half. As a result, some members of the Imperials moved into West Humboldt Park by Ohio and Kedzie, while Ramon Santos moved to leave it in Schiller around Wicker Park right next to the playground at Albert Sabin Elementary School, making the Imperials the first Latino gang in Wicker Park or on the whole north side of Chicago in history. But another result of this massive relocation was the creation of a gang of Mexican youths called the Mar Kings, which was formed at the intersection of 24th and Marshall Boulevard. In the Marshall Square section of South Lawndale in 1962, and before long, the new gang grew to have about 15 to 30 members, consisting of Mexican youths that were bullied and tormented by white greaser gangs in the area, that were upset by the new Mexican migration into the neighborhood. This prompted the Mexican youths to stick together that were willing to fight for their existence in the community. And this group, like the Imperials, was affected by the major expressway construction that displaced many Latino families. So when the Mar Kings moved into the Newberry and Roosevelt section in the near West Side neighborhood in 1962, they were in close proximity to not only the Imperials, but also the Taylor Jousters, a group of the Latin Counts and other legendary groups. However, this wouldn't be an isolated incident. The very first Mexican families moved to Little Village in 1962 and were so few in number that they often didn't know that there were other Mexican citizens living in the community. But the ones that did connect, like the Puerto Ricans, were able to come together against discrimination, which was especially prevalent for the Mexican youths at 24th and Marshall that were struggling just to attend school. In 1963, more Mexican families came to Little Village, but still in smaller numbers, making the youth still heavily outnumbered. Before long, however, even more Mexican families started arriving, just as evictions were being handed out in the Little Italy section of the near West Side neighborhood, as construction of the new University of Illinois at Chicago was underway, leading to the rise of gangs like the Gaylords, Outlaws, Supreme Cliques, and the 26th Street Jokers in the surrounding area. Around the same time, in 1962, Puerto Rican migration increased significantly in the Wicker Park, East Village, and East and West Humboldt Park areas, due to highway construction in the near west side and Lincoln Park neighborhood renewals. This new wave of migration further angered the local white population of these neighborhoods, causing the greasers to focus more of their attention on groups of Puerto Rican youths instead of fighting other greaser gangs. So like the Imperials before them, Puerto Rican youths began to form street gangs to protect themselves against their hostile neighbors, as they were often brutally beaten just for walking down the street and going to the store. As a result, several gangs like the Young Lords, Spanish Kings, Scorpions, 
Latin angels, and skulls were formed in 1962. And as all these new gangs started popping up in the area, the Imperials made the decision to start recruiting young members. Starting a new generation of the Imperials by bringing in future legendary members like Jose Cadillac Joe Rivera. And this new wave of Imperials was posted at Kedzie in Ohio and the southern part of Humboldt Park, as well as Leave It and Schiller in Wicker Park. West Humboldt Park also experienced the beginning of a Puerto Rican migration wave from the near west side in Lincoln Park, sparking more and more racial animosity. But it was only with the help of another gang that the formation of the Latin Kings really came into view. The Skulls were a prominent Puerto Rican gang that was put together in the East Village neighborhood in 1962. They were based at Chicago Avenue and Noble in Eckert Park, putting them in direct conflict with the notorious Gaylords that also fought for control of the park. A possible reason that they had to relocate to Leave It and Schiller to join the Imperials. By that time, a youth named Phil was in charge of the Skulls and relocated them to Leave It and Schiller in the early part of 1964. And when the Skulls arrived, they started planning alongside the Imperials for a unity and a plan to protect the Puerto Rican community. So on May 15, 1964, several Puerto Rican gang members and a few entire Puerto Rican gangs, like the Imperials, Skulls, and some others, met in Humboldt Park. And it was at this gathering in the park that the gangs joined forces and became the Latin Kings, came up with a new name, and created their ideology. Then, just a short time later, in 1964, Ramon Santos himself visited Little Village to meet with the Mark Kings, Jokers, 23rd Street Boys, and Supreme Cliques. And residents that knew gangs in the area claimed that Santos came to the neighborhood that day from the north side to combine forces with the Little Village gangs, absorbing them into the newly formed Latin Kings. Some of the earliest big-time original Latin kings from 24th and Marshall were Scarface, Dino, Don Juan, Black and White Sal, and Crazy Man. Don Juan was given leadership of the Boulevard Latin Kings, keeping the group's headquarters at 24th and Marshall. Now, the Latin Kings organization was officially born as a combination of the Imperials, Jokers, 23rd Street Boys, Supreme Cliques, Mark Kings, and the Skulls. And even though the 23rd Street Boys, Jokers, and Supreme Cliques were mostly white groups, they still joined the Latin Kings, as much of the earliest Little Village Latin Kings were white, simply due to the fact that the neighborhood was majority white back then. Up north, the Latin Kings were mostly Puerto Rican. This was the much larger branch, and the north side was the main headquarters for the entire gang in the beginning. In the south, in Little Village, by the 24th, they were mostly Mexican, with many whites, since most of the neighborhood was still white well into the 1970s. Regardless, the Latin Kings would fight viciously and spill blood when picked on by greaser gangs and other bullying groups, and soon spread fear through their rivals. Leavitt and Schiller became the headquarters for all northern Latin Kings, and was directly supervised by Ramon Santos and many youths attending Sabin Elementary School were joining the Latin Kings. 
while a kid named Freddy Avales opened the first West Humboldt Park Latin King Crew at Kedzie in Ohio. And they, like all Latin kings citywide, from the north, west, and south side in the mid-1960s, had to report to leave it in Schiller as it was the first Latin King headquarters. In 1964, Ramon Santos even went to the Lincoln Park neighborhood and helped start the Armitage and Dayton chapter, which moved to Armitage and Sheffield by 1969. The gang also opened a branch at the intersection of Noble and Cortez in the East Village neighborhood in 1964. This branch was started by Michael Perez, and the group instantly clashed with the Harrison gents that formed in the area that same year. And by 1965, the Noble and Cortez group was left to the Junior Latin Kings as the seniors moved to Ashland and Cortez. The Latin Kings opened the Winthrop and Ainsley chapter in the Uptown neighborhood in 1964, which became a notorious chapter in the following years. The gang also opened a branch in East Humboldt Park at Maplewood and Wabonzia Street in 1964. Julio Munoz was in charge of this section until he was imprisoned in the late 1970s. Another branch that started possibly as early as 1964 was the first Bridgeport chapter at 27th and Normal, which only lasted about five or six years before reopening at 33rd and Morgan in the late 1970s. Another Southside Latin King branch that started in 1964 was the 57th and Halstead branch in the Inglewood neighborhood. This was a small Puerto Rican enclave, and the youths had problems with white greaser gangs attacking them, as well as black gangs like the Devil's Disciples, which would later become the Black Disciples. They also had to fight the Village Sharks, then a little later, the Emerald Knights. Then, the Latin Kings' 1964 expansion was temporarily halted when they were barred from starting a new branch in the Pilsen neighborhood. However, the Kings clicked up with the Rampants from Pilsen, and the Rampants invited the Latin Kings to West Pilsen that same year. And the Kings were able to start a new section at Coulter and Damon, known as the Coulter Counts, founded by Abel Torres. Another unlikely formation for the Latin Kings in 1964 was the formation of the very first suburban Latin King branch inside the Johnny Top Hat nightclub in the Chicago suburb of Cicero. Interestingly, this group of Latin kings was Greek and was led by a man named Serbian John, who was a pimp and gang leader. Cicero was not only the first suburb to house a Chicago street gang, but was also the first suburb in the metropolitan area to have a Chicago gang. But it was in the West Town and Humboldt Park areas that the Latin Kings faced many enemies of both Puerto Rican and white descent. However, some of their worst rivalries were with white gangs, especially in the earliest days in the mid-1960s. Starting in 1958, gangs like the C-Notes, Gaylords, PVPs, and Lazy Gens often bullied Puerto Rican youth. The largest and most notorious group to take part was the Gaylords of Westtown. This group, like the other white groups, roamed all over Westtown and Humboldt Park, starting trouble. So as early as 1964, likely to bolster their ranks, the Latin Kings started taking in just about every race. 
You could be black, white, Asian, Dominican, Cuban, or Middle Eastern. It didn't matter as long as you were willing to fight for the gang and someone in the gang could vouch that you were a stand-up guy. And by the mid-1960s, the Latin Kings were a sophisticated group run by adults, some as old as 30. These older members were able to network and get around the city, which allowed the organization to grow into new communities with ease upon inception. The Latin Kings turned out smaller gangs and converted them into Latin Kings, making their empire even larger. However, 1964 would also see the Kings deal with their first major street conflict, when they bumped heads with one of their future biggest allies in the Young Lords, and a war ensued that lasted about two years. Until the Young Lords became passive activists and were no longer interested in neighborhood control. The war officially came to an end on June 12, 1966, when the Division Street riots were happening, during which a Puerto Rican man was gunned down unjustly by Chicago police, causing the Latin Kings and Young Lords to storm the streets, riding against the police over human rights. They also formed an alliance in the aftermath. From the beginning, when the Latin Kings started in 1964, they had a grand vision to protect their communities and all Latino communities citywide. But ironically, they were met with resistance from other Latino groups. The Kings gave chances to these groups to join their ranks or to at least agree to following certain basic rules of conduct in their communities. They wanted these gangs to conform because many of these gangs were disorganized, drug addicted, hung with undesirables, were bullies, or were disrespectful to their communities, or they were downright weak groups that wouldn't be productive enough to protect their communities. So the Latin Kings aimed to clean up. So the Latin Kings aimed to clean up much of this disorganization and asked nicely at first, but they were often spit in the face over it, which brought about the 1966 conquest of the West Town and Humboldt Park areas to clean up the undesirables. One of the first gangs the Latin Kings took apart was the Scorpions of Wicker Park from Western and Hirsch. This group was led and founded by a guy known as Sleepy, who was killed by Latin Kings in 1965, forcing the group to disband. Then, in 1966, the Latin Kings dismantled the Latin Angels from Maplewood and Division in East Humboldt Park. That same year, even though the Kings were on good terms with the Paragons from Lincoln Park, they became upset with the arrival of the Junior Paragons in East Humboldt Park at Washtenaw and Potomac, so the Latin Kings dismantled them as well. Then, the Latin Kings advanced on the Hirsch Street Lords of West Humboldt Park at Spalding and Hirsch and broke up the gang. This gave the Latin Kings the leverage to advance up Kedzie to Kedzie and Division as they were able to leave Ohio and Kedzie behind. This was a pivotal territory grab that would advance the Latin Kings toward Beach and Spalding. In 1966, the Kings also broke the Young Sinners. One of the Sinners' leaders, named Charlie, came to Pete's clubhouse and challenged the Latin Kings all by himself. He ended up being beaten so badly that he was hospitalized for two months, at which point the founder, named Nelson F., disbanded the gang. 
and in the aftermath of the 1966 conquests, the Latin kings were now able to solidify territory in northern West Humboldt Park at the intersection of Beach and Spalding, which became the gang's new motherland chapter in 1967. When Beach and Spalding opened, as Ohio and Kedzie closed, oversight of the Latin kings was transferred from Leavitt and Schiller to Beach and Spalding. Now, all Latin king branches citywide were required to report to this set. As a result, Beach and Spalding became the most legendary north side section in the city with some of the heaviest hitters in the nation. This territory is even still regarded to as the motherland because of the significance and because the section is still presently active. Then, in 1969, Latin kings migrated into Logan Square alongside Puerto Rican migration into the community. Then, in 1969, Latin kings migrated into Logan Square alongside Puerto Rican migration into the community. In this community, the kings also started clashing with gay lords and imperial gangsters. And the Logan Square chapter of the Latin Kings would become one of the strongest and more hardcore branches in the city. But by the late 1960s, the Boulevard Latin Kings had pushed out the rest of the gay lords that hadn't already signed up to fight in the Vietnam War. The Latin Kings completely dominated Little Village, and the only rivals that could truly contend with them were the Ridgeway Lords, and to a lesser extent, Ambrose and Satan Disciples. And with their rapid expansion complete and solidified, the northern branch of the Latin Kings became very much politically active and began working with neighborhood renewal projects and graffiti cleanup programs. This was a way for the Latin Kings to not only protect the communities they lived in, but to help improve them. But of course, that didn't diminish their involvement in the streets. Since their formation in 1964, the Latin Kings had always been involved in the drug trade. However, the drug trade didn't run their organization like many other gangs in the 1960s. Latin Kings also took pride in flushing out unauthorized drug dealers in their communities by robbing them. Ramon Santos himself even used to rob heroin dealers alongside a Spanish lord leader known as Big Cat. But the two men tended to partake in the same heroin they snatched until they both developed addictions. Santos fell into addiction entering the 1970s, and so did much of the Latin Kings, which caused the organization to face possible extinction as the branches became more disorganized. Then, in June of 1971, Raul Gonzalez and another high-ranking Northside member of the Latin Kings named Gustavo Colon caught murder charges back-to-back. -back. The first murder went down on June 20th, 1971, when Raul Gonzalez was hanging out at the intersection of 24th and Sacramento in the Marshall Square neighborhood. There was a man named Ernesto Gomez who was known to hang out with members of both the Latin Kings and the Bishops, but the two were rival gangs by this point, and Gonzalez didn't like the idea of Gomez hanging with the bishops. So when Gonzalez spotted Gomez in a car with several other people, he opened fire, killing the driver and causing the car to crash into a building. His intended target survived, and only the driver was shot and killed. 
Then, on the night of June 27, 1971, Gustavo Colon was hanging out at the intersection of Leavitt and Potomac in the Wicker Park neighborhood that night, when he spotted a vice lord named Glenn Burr and his girlfriend Florentine Mendez. They were walking through Latin King territory, so Colon opened fire on both of them, killing them on the spot. So with senseless violence happening on the street and high-ranking members being locked up for those very same crimes, by 1972, the Latin kings were facing a major crisis. Starting in the late 1960s, some key members were getting into using heavy drugs like heroin. There was also many members that weren't focused on tasks at hand, and much of the gang was disorganized, which was a major threat to leadership, especially since they were trying to organize a sophisticated syndicate. Amid several gang wars, and now, with law enforcement breathing down their necks, there was a real threat to the very existence of the Latin kings, and slip-ups by members couldn't be tolerated anymore. As a result, higher-up members decided that it was time for a constitution, a written list of rules made with the express purpose of keeping the entire organization in line. So Raul Gonzalez and Gustavo Colon, now incarcerated, had an immediate meeting behind prison walls with Manuel Diaz Rodriguez, Johnny Martinez, and Eddie Dino. These five Latin kings drew up the King's Manifesto, a document with the purpose of guiding and organizing the Latin kings in the right direction in order to ease operations and maintain order. One of the biggest guidelines was no use of drugs unless it was marijuana. And after the manifesto was written in 1972, the gang's founder, Ramon Santos, stepped down voluntarily due to his heroin addiction, leaving Gustavo Colon to run the north side and northwest side operations, while Raul Gonzalez ran southwest and south side operations. Other members were outcasted for their behavior and ejected from the organization to be made examples of how their behavior was no longer acceptable, and all addicted Latin kings were ordered to kick their habit immediately and turn in all bags of their heroin or face severe punishment. Now that Gonzalez had become leader of the South Side, he was now referred to by the nickname Baby King as he was allegedly Ramon Santos's protege and Cologne was now referred to as Lord Gino, now that he was in command of all northern Chicago operations. And by this point, the Latin kings had rallied and were poised to become even stronger than ever with the king's manifesto, while Gonzalez and Cologne ran the organization from prison. But there were still a lot of Latin kings that supported and looked up to Ramon Santos, and many still saw him as the gang's supreme leader. And though Santos had officially stepped down and retired in 1972, he was unofficially still a shot caller, especially since he was on the streets while Gonzalez and Colon were locked up. Something that's rumored to not have sat well with the gang's incarcerated leadership. And even though Santos might have kicked his habit later into the 1970s, he never reassumed official leadership. But there were bigger changes happening within the organization, and after the creation of the King's Manifesto in 1972, Beach and Spalding no longer governed all the Latin King branches, meaning that branches further away, 
finally didn't have to travel all the way to Humboldt Park for meetings. All Southside operations started reporting to the boulevards at 24th and Marshall, while the North Side still reported to Beach and Spalding. <clears throat> and eventually, traveling to report ceased entirely, and each branch governed more on its own. Then, in 1975, the Latin Kings established themselves in the Julia Lathrop homes located in the North Center neighborhood. Latin Kings had been living there since they were created, but they didn't run these projects. Instead, their allies, the Insane Deuces, ran the buildings. And in 1975, the Insane Deuces donated the Horseshoe to the Latin Kings, which was the southernmost section of the projects along the Diversity Parkway. The Kings were really close to the Deuces as they fought the Simon City Royals and the Paulina Berry community at large. But by 1987, the Kings and Deuces began to have friction over the crack trade, and just two years later, war was declared by the two gangs. And when the Deuces flipped to becoming folks in January of 1992, they left the projects, and the Latin Kings took over, only sharing the area with select black gangs. However, even with this expansion, the Latin Kings would still have to deal with high-ranking members of their gang being locked up. And one of the most important of these was an original member named Julio Munoz. He was born in 1936, making him one of, if not the oldest member of the Latin Kings. And he was the ninth member of the Imperials when they formed in 1954. So by the mid-1970s, he was a big-time member of the Latin Kings and was highly regarded within the gang. But not only did Munoz take part in a 1975 robbery turned murder, in the aftermath, he started threatening a witness in the murder case, forcing the witness to enter a protection program. As a result, the Latin Kings were now hunting the witness named Victor Figueroa, a hunt that ended in 1979, when the frozen body of Figueroa was found in a gangway in East Humboldt Park with three bullet wounds in his chest. A Latin King member named Anthony Perez was later arrested and charged for the murder, and he later claimed that the murder was in direct retaliation for testifying against Julio Munoz. But of course, the murder wouldn't change Julio's imprisonment, which killed the East Humboldt Park Latin Kings. Because Munoz was their leader, and when he was locked up in 1979, the branch folded shortly after. Despite that, however, as the 1970s progressed, the Latin Kings only got bigger. There were white and black members as early as the 1960s, but by the 70s, there were several black and white members in a given branch, depending on the neighborhood. The Latin Kings also had sleeper cells in the suburbs as early as the 1970s. Then, by the mid-1970s, some recruitment even began in suburbs like Melrose Park and Maywood. In 1975, the Kings settled in the Rogers Park community on the far north side of the city, and this is when Columbia and Ashland opened a branch called the Bad Boys. Also in 1975, the Latin Kings would settle on the streets of Albany Park at Lawrence and Kedzie, thus colonizing a new neighborhood, and this new chapter would become one of the Latin Kings' bigger sections in the city. But soon, it would be the branches in the suburbs that gained prominence. In 1976, 
the Chicago area suburbs were quiet and a place to escape from the bustling city. In the western suburbs, there was no signs of Chicago-based gang activity stretching from Berkeley to Maywood to Elmhurst to Melrose to Villa Park. That was, until Mexican families came to move into the suburb of Maywood and start a better life for themselves and their children. Maywood was a frustrated, mostly white community that suddenly suffered high unemployment after their can factory closed down. And the people took their frustrations out on the newly arrived Hispanic and black residents that were moving in. Hispanic people were settling around the intersection of 5th Avenue and Lake Street, and some were trying to open businesses while running into difficulties and unfair treatment from the rest of the community. The first Latin king to move to Maywood went by Nat and was from 23rd and Christiana. Then, Nat recruited his cousin, and soon after, a domino effect happened as several of their friends also ended up joining the Latin kings, and so on and so forth. These young suburban Latin kings made 5th Avenue and Maywood their stronghold and headquarters. This section was not only very tightly ran and well organized, but also became the very first permanent Latin king suburban branch on the planet. And even though they were in the suburbs, these Latin kings were serious and put in a ton of work for the organization. And within a very short time, they expanded into nearby Melrose Park and Stone Park to help Hispanic families facing unfair treatment. But by the later 1970s and early 80s, these Latin kings started engaging in vicious gang wars with rival gangs moving in from the city bringing negative attention to their original cause, which was to help the community. Despite that, over time, the Maywood branch would spread out even further, influencing several more south and west suburbs that reached all the way as far as northwest Indiana. So by the late 1980s and early 90s, Latin kings were in just about every suburb that connected to the near south side of the city, and they all stemmed from the old Maywood branch. But regardless of the king's suburban branches, in 1977, gang wars were worsening in the little village area. Because the 2-6 gang started to grow aggressively, and the Satan disciples became increasingly interested in taking territory, west of Marshall Boulevard in California. This led to a major standoff slash gunfight along Marshall Boulevard one day, when 15-20 to 20 members of the Latin kings went up against an equal amount of Satan's disciples, shooting several guns at each other. But a big turn happened for the kings in 1978. The gang had a strong branch operating on the corner of North Avenue in Kedzie and West Humboldt Park. See, right around the corner at 1551 North Kedzie Avenue is the Illinois National Guard. And in 1978, the Latin kings of North and Kedzie pulled off a major heist on a military vehicle near the armory and stole thousands of dollars worth of high-powered weapons by ambushing a military vehicle as it left the armory. They then helped themselves to all the crates in the vehicle while they held the personnel at gunpoint. And this caper made the Latin kings one heavily armed organization for the rest of their existence and even up to present day. But even bigger changes were on the horizon, 
specifically the rise of the Folk and People Nation Alliances. The Folk Nation was formed on November 11, 1978 in Statesville Correctional Center, where Larry Hoover, leader of the Supreme Gangsters, created the idea for the alliance and persuaded many leaders of large black, white, and Latino gangs from Chicago to join. And before long, the Folk Nation Alliance included the Black Disciples, Gangster Disciples, Latin Disciples, Two Six Boys, Spanish Cobras, Simon City Royals, Imperial Gangsters, and Ashland Vikings. This spelled bad news for the Latin Kings and any other gang that wasn't aligned with this new Folk Nation. So Gustavo Colon, co-leader of the Latin Kings, Jeff Fort of the Black Peastones, and Bobby Gore of the Vice Lords came together to form an alliance of their own and called it the People Alliance, which soon came to include the Mickey Cobras, Latin Counts, Bishops, Spanish Lords, PR Stones, and Insane Unknowns. The Black Peastones and Vice Lords represented the Islam side of the People Nation, while the Latin Kings represented the Christian side of the Alliance. This was all made possible because the Latin Kings, Black Peastones, and Vice Lords had been allies ever since the early 1960s when they all found a common enemy, the Devil's Disciples. However, in 1979, gang activity was heating up on the streets especially in the South Chicago neighborhoods as the Latin Kings moved just north of the South Chicago border onto the intersection of 79th and Clarendon. But they dwelled on the South Shore community side of 79th up to 78th. This was a group of 10 Latin Kings that didn't last long before their founder was sent to prison in 1981. That same year, a member of the branch moved to the Bush, which was a few blocks south, into the South Chicago neighborhood, as he and other members started the notorious South Chicago Latin Kings. This branch would move to 89th and Muskegon in 1981 and would explode in size to become a permanent fixture in the South Chicago neighborhood. But it wasn't long until there would be the first real instance of internal feuding within the Latin Kings. And in 1981, Raul Gonzalez, co-leader of the Latin Kings and head of their South and Southwest operations, had a conflict with a North Side Latin King named Carlos Robles. Robles disrespected Gonzalez and had no issue with it because Gonzalez was running the South Side while Robles was under the north side umbrella and felt that the leader couldn't touch him. The only obstacle that Gonzalez had to overcome for retribution was to state his case and get the nod from his co-leader, Gustavo Colon. Ultimately, Colon sided with Gonzalez and authorized him to do whatever was needed to make an example out of Robles, and in the meantime, he just had to wait for him to be released back to the streets. Then, in July 1981, Robles was up for parole, and with just two days left until his release, he didn't suspect any trouble. But unbeknownst to him, Gonzalez was consulting two of the craziest Southside Latin kings he could find in Statesville. One was a known killer from Cuba, while the other was a white member of the Latin kings. Both men were avid PCP users, which already made them extra crazy. And after Gonzalez reached out, 
The two men approached Robles and told him that they were throwing a parole party in the basement. The two got permission from the guards to use the basement where the shower was, and Robles thought he was going to be led downstairs to a whole celebration. But once he was guided by the two men, there was no one down there, and before Robles could realize anything, the two men pulled out large machetes from somewhere and chopped his head clean off. They then hacked his arms and legs off, then chopped his limbs and torso into pieces. The two inmates then coordinated a staged fight by fellow Latin kings to create a diversion while both men slipped through a tunnel that led to a butcher shop where the men ran into a rival gangster disciple working the shop. And although GDs and Latin kings are enemies, the two men offered money and drugs in exchange for the GD's help in disposing the body parts that were wrapped in plastic bags. The GD accepted the offer and started feeding the body parts into a large meat grinder with pork and beef, which was allegedly even served as meatloaf later that night, while the head was later buried discreetly in the yard. But despite this brutal internal affair, the Latin kings kept their ties pretty close with the people nation as alliances intensified on the streets in the early 1980s. And by 1981, a new directive was handed down from behind prison walls to expand the people nation on the streets and offer new gangs membership. The Latin kings then recruited more gangs to join the People Alliance, and that's when they reeled in groups like the Gaylords, Insane Deuces, Villa Lobos, and Colored Tenduces. This was also the point in time when there were Latin kings in every white or Latino neighborhood in the city. And the kings were now putting more sleeper cells out in the suburbs like Rockford, Cicero, Berwyn, and Joliet. But that's really all I have for you guys today. I hope you all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, and tune back in next week for part 2 of episode 52, where we'll be talking about the spread of the Latin kings from Chicago to New York, their rise as one of the largest Latino gangs in the United States, and the current state of the kings today. If you enjoyed today's show, please give it a rating and follow the show's Instagram and Twitter pages at the Black Hand Pod. And please feel free to reach out with feedback, suggestions, and comments. Also, please consider giving a little bit to the show's Venmo at the Black Ham Pod as well. But with that said, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Bliss Grieve, signing out.